Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Turn, turn to somebody and say, good morning. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited. This might be a little fuerte this morning, but it's all good. Here's the, uh, here's the quote for the morning. Patience. I know you turned off already. Oh, forget it. Forget it. I'm going home. Patience is not the ability to wait, but how you act while you're waiting. Patience has nothing to do with waiting, everything to do with attitude. Amen? Let's talk about that this morning. See, it's hard to believe in less than a month we'll be coming together to celebrate the resurrection once again. Amen? And, and we're working on something cool for that. That should be a lot of fun. But it takes on even more for us, even if that's even possible, because it's, that means it's been almost a year since we've been back in our building. That also means it's been almost a year since we've stepped out in faith and, and started a Spanish congregation. Amen. If you haven't visited them yet, 2 o'clock every Sunday, those people that always have an excuse, ah, you know, I don't understand a crazy Cuban, you know, American guy, bring them to Spanish service, 2 o'clock. And um, this, this journey has not been easy. Can somebody say amen? amen? And it didn't come cheap. Next week, I'm going to be sharing with you on um, what that all took, what it all costs, how much it costs to run this thing. And, and, and I'm really going to talk about the transformation of TSF. Because you might not even notice, but before, without you even noticing, your floor changed color. Did, did anybody see that? Without you even noticing, the pillars turn black. Did you, did you think that just happened by itself? People are like, oh, I didn't even notice. And there's been a transformation happening. And, and if you haven't been to the other... Anyway, that's next week. Next week. For this week, what I've been reading and experiencing and what I want to deal with is, is our attitude in the midst of the stuff that we go through. Amen? Pastor Mark shared last week... Growing through what we grow, go through. How we act when everything isn't the way it, we want it to be. Now, I've, I strongly feel this, and I've said it before. What God has done with this building is a picture of what God is doing in and through us. All right, two of you, good. Amen. The transformation here is a picture of the transformation in you, or at least it can be. And if we got to learn anything in this dramatic illustration, because this is, you know, when, when God pulls an illustration, it's not small, right? Like we can, I can come up here and bring a couple of jars and do an illustration and, and, and hear, you know, comments, oh, wow, wow. Listen, when God does an illustration, the whole world is his thing. Right? So he could use anything. 
the weather, the trees, a bird, a caterpillar, a praying mantis. Uh, uh, God can use anything in his illustration. So this illustration for us has taken over a year and a half for us to come through. And, and we're just starting to see things come to completion. And if there's anything in that that we can take on for ourselves to hold on to is that in our waiting, God is working. Somebody needed that. You can go home. You got what you came for. In our waiting, God's working. In our struggles, God's building. In our dry seasons, God is preparing the rain. If you watch all these fixer-upper shows, you know, anybody into those shows? Right? Flip this house, flip that house, buy this, sell this, fixer this, fix, right? You, you know <laughs> day one is always what? You guys are good. Or you watch too much TV. <laughs> day one is always demo day. And everybody loves them. Day one is always demo because you don't put fresh paint on walls that need to come down. Come on. So everybody loves demo day because they know that it makes space to build something new. We love demo day because anybody with a hammer can just, you know, on TV they make it look so simple. It's done in, in four minutes. You come and you take a hammer and this wall is down. You take a hammer and you knock those cabinets down. That is the wrong way to do that, by the way, but let's not even get into that. You just unscrew those things and you take them down. Taking them down with a hammer is a lot more work and mess, but that's, you know, it good, makes good TV. But everybody loves demo day on the shows, but the, but the word says on your demo day, rejoice. In your season of demolition, in your season of, of, of reconstruction, the word says rejoice, and you have to make a choice to rejoice. Being confident that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1, amen? But it's so hard to see sometimes when you're in the midst of it. Demo in our lives is difficult. Demo is usually not a day. Demo is a season. Oh, that's good preaching. Demo is a season. If you've been there, you know. And it's so hard to see in that season the hand of God sometimes or to hear the encouraging words of God amidst all the noise. But when you look back sometimes after you've come through, you see the places where God has shown up. You didn't see it then. But once you come through and look back, you, you see, wow, you see the places, the rare place, you see the rare ways that he spoke. You see the unusual methods that he uses, and you see the comfort he provided in ways we might not even have attributed to him. I was talking to my, my brother the other day, and we were... We've been talking and praying together for God to bring direction and speak into his life. And so later on in the day, I was checking in with him and I asked him, are you hearing anything clear from God? And the first reaction was, nope, nothing. I'm confused still. I'm angry. And so we were, and, and as we were writing, some, some, some older lady um, had stopped him in the store and started going off on him on the importance of prayer. And so I say, yeah, no signs at all. God's not talking to you at all. So, so, uh, 
So we had to laugh about that. And, and, and after, he, you know, he, he told me that in the moment, he wouldn't have even thought that God was speaking to him through that lady because she was a little off. She was a little, you know, whatever. She, she might not have been the, the you, know, you know, we always want to get counsel and we always want to hear from God in the magnificent way. Right? We want like a, a bush to set fire in our living room but not burn anything. And the voice of God to speak clearly. This is what I would like you to do. On June 22nd, you will. And I'll tell you what convicted me about this story was that I really feel this. God will use whatever and whoever is available to him. Even if that's someone that might not appear to have their own lives together. And I wonder if he has to do that. Oh, man. Hold up. I wonder if he has to do that because those of us that are in our right mind or those of us that on the outside appear to have it all together, we're just not available to be used by him. Because we're dealing with our own things and we're just dealing with self. See, too many Christians want to have this dynamic relationship with God, this connection with God, but we don't want to, God to, we don't want to put anything into it. You can give me, but don't expect anything back. Be there when I want to talk to you. Be there when I have questions. But don't ask anything of me. I'm just, I'm still working this thing out. One day, maybe, you could use me. So, so and, and, and I, I, you don't know how, many, how much I hear this from so many. You can tell me what's better for me when I ask, but it doesn't mean I'm going to do what you say I'm going to do anyway. But somehow, I figure if I'm connected with you, if I'm going to church at least, maybe you'll bless whatever I decide anyway. I know, this is not for you. Push it to the person behind you. Say, yo, he's talking to you right now. He's killing it in your life. Listen, I'm praying God will open our eyes and, 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 and see that, you know, we have to get that God was not put here for us. We were put here for him. There's a great story in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers, chapter 22. Numbers 22. And, and the temptation when any preacher preaches from Numbers, chapter 22 is to preach it in the King James, but I'm not going to do that. You'll catch on later. It's about a man named Balaam. Balaam was like a soothseer. He was like a fortune teller, like a seer, like one of those, you know, those, those kind of people, those, those prophetic kind of I see thing kind of people. And, and it's, it's not even clear in the words if he was even a Christian or uh, some scholars believe maybe he was a baby Christian at this point because apparently he knew the true God of the Israelites, but others say he was just an irreligious charlatan because although he knew God, he still wanted to do what he was known for. And in and, and the soothsaying, you know, soothsayer type of stuff. And so the story of Numbers, the story of Numbers is that Balak, the king of the Moabs and the Midianites and those people, they were about to encounter God's people, the Israelites. 
And so the Israelites were coming, and they were about to meet. And, and so what he wanted to do, he saw that the God's people were getting kind of big, and they were getting kind of large, and they were kind of mighty, and he was a little afraid to go up against them. And so what he wanted to do was to have this soothsayer, this diviner, curse them so that they can be defeated. That's a common practice back then. It was customary. You can read it throughout Greek and Roman history. They believed <coughs> sorry, that prayers for evil or curses would be heard by unseen forces just like prayers for good. People practice that today. But don't let me get into the Santeria and Espiritismo and all that. You know. Anyway, so, so Balak sent messengers to Balaam, to Balaam, whose name means devourer, by the way, with rewards for him to come and curse the Israelites. He's like, I'm going to pay you handsomely. You come and curse these people so that way we can defeat them. Balaam hears from God and refuses to go. He said, listen, I, I can't go. I can't do it. The Lord refuses me to go with you. And so Balak sends out a second mission. He's like, I'm not giving up. This guy's known for, for putting curses on people. This guy's known for, for, for the power that he has. He's known, I want this guy to curse the Israelites. I don't want to come against the Israelites and lose this battle. So I want them cursed before we fight them. And so he sends out a second mission. And we see here in, in Numbers twenty two sixteen, he tells them, listen, ba- Balaam, don't let anything keep you from coming to me. Be- so he heard from God. He said, listen, don't let anything keep you. I know you heard, don't let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely and I'll do whatever you say. He tells him, come and put a curse on those people for me. Verse 18, but Balaam answered, listen, even if Balak can give me all the silver and gold in this palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord our God. And listen, if the story ended there, awesome, good job. You are a man of God. Well done, good and faithful. But the story doesn't end there. It says after this second proposal, (coughs) first time he offered him, he said, hey, you know, curse these people. He said, let me hear from God. God said, nah. He said, okay, so I can't do it. Now he sends another mission with more money, with more promise. So he says in verse 19, after the second proposal, Balaam says, now, hold up, spend the night here so that I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. Another version says, stay here the night that I may see what the Lord will say to me more. Family, if there is one scripture that describes the Christianity of this culture, the Christianity that we're battling against, the Christianity that we're falling into, unfortunately, in too many churches and too, and, and, and too, too, too many times that we hear and see, it, it's this. I know, Balaam is saying, I know what God told me. I know how God feels about this, but let's see what else he'll say to me. You can almost feel the shady side of Balaam coming out. He's thinking, wait, wait, you got rewards? You got cash? You got, you got power? You got, it's all sex, money, power, right? That's what drives, it's the, the greed and the lust, right? Let me see what I can manage to get away with. Let me see how far the God of the Israelites will let me go. 
See, when they first approached him, he told them, wait, and let me inquire of the Lord. Uh, I, I, now, I don't know why he had to ask God about it, but, like, would you ask God, uh, God, you're going to bless your people, you're going to curse your people so that the enemies can destroy them? <laughs> like, that's just not a prayer I would pray. I, I don't know, you know, but if you've ever been there, but. <clears throat> verse 8 says he's going to go ask God about it. Verse 9, God comes to Balaam. So God came right to him. He said, listen, even before you ask me, let me, let me talk to you. Verse 12, God tells him, don't go with these people. You must not put a curse on those people because they're blessed. See, God will make his will. In, in this situation, God makes his will abundantly clear, Right? And I was even thinking about this and kind of pondering on this. I said, why does God even bother talking to this fool? But when you see the whole story, you see the heart of God for his people, you see God won't allow his people to be cursed because he's already forgiven them. At this point, he's already forgiven his people. And so, and so he says we're blessed. See, even when God is dealing with us, even when we're allowed to go through tough seasons and endure hardships, in Christ we're forgiven. Say amen. He won't allow us to be cursed. In Christ we're redeemed. In Christ we've been made righteous. And in Christ we're the head and not the tail. In Christ nothing's impossible. In Christ we can do all things. We can't be at the cross. We were grafted in. We were adopted. We were made sons and daughters. God says we were made friends with God. What does that mean? We've been made sons and daughters. That means we're, we're friends. He loves us. But then he says we're friends of God. That means he even likes us. God loves you, but he has to because he's family. But then God even likes you. Could you just kind of receive that today? God loves me because he has to. I've been grafted in. If, you're, if you believe in Christ, if you're in Christ, God, he, I'm grafted in. I'm family. He has to. You know that cousin that you have to love? You're, that Titi, that, that Theo? You have to love him because he's family, but you don't really. But God even likes us. We're a friend of God. And so because we're his, that means we're blessed. No curses over me. They've been broken. Tell somebody, there are no curses over my life. No curse over my life. I'm blessed. In Christ, I've been redeemed. In Christ, I've been forgiven. And so, so amen. Come on. So God has already told him. God has already told him, don't go with these people. Don't go. Don't curse these people because they're my people and they're blessed. But when Balak increases the gifts and the promises, see, the enemy is like a timeshare salesman. He'll always come back with a better deal. With something that sounds, anybody ever been in those, you know, 30-minute, four-hour presentations? Right? No, no, real quick, I'll give you a free breakfast. All right, it's $150,000. Well, that's easy to say, no, I don't got that kind of money. Wait, wait, wait. And by the time it's all done, all right, it's only $9.99 a month. That's it. If you sign here, we'll only take $10 out of your check a month for the rest of you and three generations of your children. The enemy always makes it look like he give you a better deal. So Balak says, I'll do whatever you say. He's promising provision as well as power. And Balaam says, knowing already what God has told him, Balaam says, let me see what else God has to say about this. I can't tell you how many times I hear those words in one form or another from the people of God. We've been preaching about 
community and relationship and church and not hypocrisy and, rela- and, and getting along. And people want to look past that and they say, okay, but what else? Well, God says we have to love one another. Okay, what else? Well, he wants you to serve one another. What else? He wants you to give and invest and be a support to the body that you're in. Oh, great money. What else? Relationship money. Come on. What else? Okay, he wants you to love your wife and cherish her and honor her and lay down your life for her. What else? Okay, he wants you to honor your husband and serve him. What else? I need to learn more. I need to be fed more. I need to go deeper spiritually. In Luke 18, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And and God already knows his heart. God tells him, you already know, follow the commandments. You know, he gives him a couple of commandments. and, And the guy says, I've done all that since I was a youth. What else? Jesus said, okay, you want to go there? Give away everything you have. Give it away to the poor and come follow me. And the word says the rich young ruler went away sad. Be careful when you ask God, what else? He went away sad. God, see, sometimes God will give you what you can't do. People love to, to say, use that, this thing. God will never give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. God will always give you more than you can handle without him. It's to bring you to him because in him I can do all things. In him. Read that scripture again. Stop telling people that. Hear that every week. Oh, God will give you? That's a lie. Sometimes God will purposely give you more than you can handle. Why? So that you can come to your senses and come to him. Ay, yeah, yeah, that was good. In Matthew 22, a Pharisee asks Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? They're trying to catch him out there. Well, what's the greatest? This is a, a Pharisee. This is somebody studied in the law. This is somebody that knows it up and down, has all the knowledge of the scriptures. What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, well, the greatest commandment is this. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And you didn't ask me, but the second one is just as good. It's love and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. See, to the religious law-keeping Jew, that's not enough. There has to be more. You understand? For every law that God gave, the, the Jewish people added another 136 laws to keep you from breaking this law. So the, 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 that's, the, that's a Pharisee mindset. What else? I, I got that. What else? It reminds me of, of little kids. You know who little kids are always asking you for more? I want more candy. Can I get more? And you say, well, listen, finish what you have already. Finish what's on your plate first. Yeah, yeah, but I want more. Well, finish what you already have. Wow, that's a sermon right there. Finish what I gave you first before you keep asking for more. Do what you know to do already. So Balaam gets up the next day and he goes with them on the way to Balak. And the word says in verse 22, and God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of Jehovah placed himself in the way as an adversary for him. 
It's a lot of study on that passage and the way it, it's actually a, uh, it was actually Christ himself. It was a, a manifestation of the Spirit of God himself, this angel. And so, the, as, as the, and, and so God's anger, and Jehovah placed himself in the way as an adversary. And so the donkey that he was riding on saw the angel of the Lord in front of him, and he pulled off into the field. And Balaam got angry, and he beat the donkey, and he put him back onto the field. Onto the road. And, and, and now the angel of the Lord pressed in closer. And closed them in. And so and the donkey had no other place to go. So he goes into the wall. And he crushes Balaam's foot on the wall. See some t- Anyway, that's a whole nother. He, he crushes his foot. Sometimes God will make you walk different after you come against him. But, but that's a whole nother thing. So he crushes his foot. And, and Balaam gets angry. And he beats the donkey again. And he puts them back onto the place. And this time, the spirit, the angel of the Lord steps into a narrow place right there. So he can't go to the left or to the right. And the donkey just bows down before him. And Balaam beat him a third time. And this time, the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. First and last time we ever see that in Scripture. A donkey speaks. People have issues with this. People, no, I don't, I, you know, the word is, is, is fairy tale. I don't know about a fish swallowing a man. I don't know about Noah's Ark and the animals. I don't know about a donkey talking. Listen, Psalm 115.3 says, our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. So shut up. So the donkey speaks to Balaam. And I don't know about you, but I picture Shrek. You know, with the donkey. <laughs> the donkey. And the donkey says, haven't I been faithful to you? Haven't I always done what you asked me to? Three times you beat me. Three times. Can't you see what's in front of you? There's an angel with us. Can't you see what's going on? I pull over the side to save you. I pull up and you beat me and you beat me and you beat me. Haven't I always done what you asked me to do? And... And, 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 and Balaam answers the donkey. He said, yeah, you have. Which is weird. Right? It's weird. It's weird that a donkey talks, but it's weird that you be answered. <coughs> and just then, God opens Balaam's eyes. And he allows him to focus and to see what's before him. And he sees the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn. And the angel says, I have set myself up against you as an adversary because your way is perverse before me. You beat this donkey three times for not moving, but if he had, I would have slain you and kept her alive. And so Balaam finally bows down and he confesses, I have sinned. And that's where we need to come to today, family. We need to bow down before God and we say, I have sinned. I've fought your way. I've fought. I've done what you haven't told me. I've done what you told me not to do. I've done. I have sinned. 
This man prayed and heard from God, got clear direction, clear instruction. He might not have known everything that God had for his life. He might not have known all and every step that God had for him, just like you and I don't. But the thing that God had already showed him to do, he was walking against it. And he's saying, what else? Let me see what else God will say about this. Family, I'll confess to you, I found myself praying those prayers many times. Can we be real? Can we be honest? I found myself many times trying to distract God with what else prayers. Yeah, yeah, God, I know you're, what you're telling me, but you know, but how about, how about with this? What, you know, what else? I know, you, I, know you, I know you want me to forgive this person and you want me to love this one and you want me to give over here and you want me to lay down my life over here because, I, you know, I took a vow and made a promise to her, fine, whatever. But, but what else? And I hear people all the time, well, maybe a different church is what I need. Maybe some new friends is what I need. Anything to not deal with this. Anything to not be accountable to what I know to do that God is calling me to do. And, and I don't know about you, family, but I worry that there have been times where God wanted to use me to share something with someone. To pray with somebody. To reach out to somebody. To give somebody money. Those are prayers we never hear. We love, don't you love when somebody comes to you and says, Lord told me to give you this. Surely God is awesome and greatly to be praised. Surely God is on his throne and he's mighty and he's sovereign and he knows all things. But when God is dealing with you and saying, listen, you, I need you to give what's in your pocket. and give." That's probably my flesh. Let me pray about that. <laughs> Who are you going to pray to? God's the one talking to you. Yeah, yeah, but what else, God? Let me see what else he has to say about, about. See, sometimes we don't see the angel with the flaming sword blocking our path, and God has to use an ass to stop us. I'm sorry. Other times, other times, God will use us to be that to stop somebody from con- continuing on their path of destruction. See, when it comes right down to it, we're so busy sometimes listening for us that we're not listening for somebody else. And that's what we're getting at, man. That's when God uses, that's when he has to use whoever and whatever's available. So we got to bring this message right back to what we've been talking about for weeks. The one another's. This family, church, we're better together. Jesus says to remain in the vine, and in the vine we're connected and we're grafted in, and the only way we can bear fruit is together, but people still want to be disconnected and import the fruit. Well, maybe if I go hear this guy, or if I go spend time at this ministry, or if I go to these 64 conferences, or, and we're trying to import fruit that we couldn't grow. And the sad thing is, we'll try to bring that fruit back to the vine so people can see it on us. But after a while, it stinks. Because it's not connected to the vine. There's no life anymore. You didn't grow it. False fruit is for Pharisees. 
Pharisees would walk around. You still see the people today. It's so sad. The, the, the hair is grown, the thing, the strings, the this, the black, the coats, the hats, and all this outside fruit. So you can see that I'm spiritual. I'm connected to God. I'm one of his chosen. But, but I, I see that I work in a hospital. I see them everywhere just smoking and cursing and living all kinds of crazy lifestyles. This is false fruit. Take off the black clothes. Take off the strings. You're not praying. Stop the empty prayers and connect to a real God. There's only one way to be real, and that's to be in a relationship where you can check and be checked, where you can be accountable and be held accountable. We were created for relationship. This whole walk is about relationship. Stop looking for what else. If reading and studying and learning and being more and deeper was, was what the kingdom was about, then the Pharisees would have made great Christians. But Jesus didn't like them. He had major beef with them all the time. See, the truth is knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I wish the church would get that. <coughs> you want to be deep love on somebody. You want to be deep care for somebody. Care for them more than, than they deserve. Care for love them more than it's necessary. Love them more than they've earned. We won't even do that with our own people. We've been reconciled to God, the word says, and given the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is about relationships. The greatest two commandments on which all else rests, Jesus said, are about relationship. Our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples and also the first one to deny him publicly. And what did Jesus ask Peter who after he denied him? Do you love me? Do you love me? Of course I do, God, you know. But do you love me? He was concerned with relationship. There's no what else, church. Worship team, come. See, too many, too many of us, I'm convinced of this, and I see the more, like we've been, we've been, this has been 12 years of Sanctuary Fellowship. And I'm convinced that too many people show up to church for the wrong reasons. They come for the show, but they don't stay for the service. Ministry is about service. It's all about relationship. I'm, I'm reading this book right now called The Lego Principle. I, it, it, I love it. It's, it's, this pastor in the Philippines has got like 65,000 members. And it just grabbed my attention because I'm always playing with Legos. I keep this in my pocket all the time. I'm always connecting and disconnecting. Connecting and It's an ADD. It's a spinner for you guys, you know, that has. But it's not as obnoxious as a, I don't want to look like a kid all day spinning, you know. So this I just keep in my hand everywhere I walk and I'm connecting them, disconnecting them. It keeps me, it helps me deal with my mind, amen. It helps me deal, deal with things. And so this, this, this caught my attention because I love Legos. I grow up, I was an only child. So Legos is the only game you can play by yourself. I was the only child. My, my, my family used to buy me, you know, rock'em, sock'em robots and Checkers, chess, uh, Chinese marbles, uh, you know, what, what, two people. Read the box. It says two people. I'm one person. 
Somebody once bought me a video game that had, this is back, you know, before Xbox and all that, you know, I'm old. It was a video game that had four handles to do tanks. And like, who am I supposed to play with? And so I used to make my mother get on the tank. And so my mother would be there, who's you? Who's me? Who's me? Who's me? She don't know. She don't know. I'm like, bam, that's you spinning right there all the time. But after a while, it, it gets boring, you know. After a while, it got boring. So Legos, you know, I spent countless hours playing Legos. And then my daughters, you know, my daughters were little, but we had tons of Legos. And I spent countless hours making castles and towers and ramps. And, and now, even with my granddaughter, let's play Legos. Okay, so we play Legos, you know. And, 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 and you know, like I said, I keep this. And it's gotten fancier over the years. Now, you know, Legos, like, you know, you can get crazy. You build a city, you know, out of Legos. But the basic block hasn't changed in 50 years. It's patent and it's copyright. It hasn't <coughs> changed in 50 years. It's, it was designed and, 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 and manufactured to connect on the top and to connect on the bottom. It's a beautiful picture. We connect to God and connect to people. Alone, the block is not that impressive. Together, the possibilities are endless. Two eight-studded Lego bricks combined in 20 different ways. Three eight-stud bricks can be combined in 1,060. Six eight-stud bricks can be combined in 102,981,500 ways. With eight bricks, the possibilities are endless. The Lego principle is this, no matter what the color or the, oh, this is beautiful in today's world, in our culture, no matter what the color or the age or where it came from or where it was made, it's designed to always fit together. And together we can make something amazing every time. I want you to never look at Lego the same way again. And every time you see Lego or play Lego, you say, that's me, that's the church. That's me, that's it. And you know what's beautiful about Legos? It's made so even after you build something, sometimes you got to take it apart. But when Lego is taken apart, it doesn't lose. It doesn't break. It doesn't get damaged. Come on. Because sometimes we're a part of something that we build something, and then sometimes God will deconstruct that and plug us in someplace else to use us. Some listen, some of you have come here with a lot of damage from different places, and you say, I'm damaged, I can't be here in ministry, I'll never do that again, I'll never do this. I'll do listen, listen, listen. You were designed to connect. Even after you've been taken apart, sure you might have been hurt, sure you might have been damaged, sure you might have gone through some stuff, but the basic building block still works. And so you can still be connected again. And you can still be used again. And you can still be part of a beautiful project. Say amen. My closing prayer and, and desire is that God will open up our eyes and allow us to see where we are, who we are, and what else we could be doing right now. What else God could be using us to do. Can we, can we just stand and pray for a moment before we close in worship?
wherever you are, church, let's just uh, close our, our hearts, uh, close our eyes for a moment. Bow our hearts. Wherever you, you're coming from today, wherever you are today, I don't you may feel that you're a Lego and you're all by yourself. That you can't connect. You could have been in this morning's worship and praise and you could have felt so far removed from what was happening. I've been this Lego. I still can. I'm this Lego. Depression sets in, me. Anxiety sets in, that's me. Fear sets in, that's me. Dreams die, that's me. No? And you want to connect, and you were here this morning, and you're like, God, I want to connect. I want to feel this blessing. I want to rejoice. But you're like, I can't. What can possibly do but I want to tell you today I'm still this kind of Lego I'm working it through it's not an overnight process right it's not you don't go through everything right away it's not a fast-paced process but God is here to fill you with his joy okay his word says do not be grieved do not be dismayed depressed for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And this morning, getting ready in my own little world with God, I had to tell him, God, help me. Because I want to be thankful. Because I know mentally, right? We know mentally all the things that God has done for us. But emotionally, when we go through depression, when we go through this fear, when we go through this anxiety, when we go through the loss of, of hopes and dreams and we feel so hopeless God is still there to help us to be thankful thankful is an action right so I had to tell God today God it's like if I was on drugs I can't do this by myself I want to get out I want to move forward I want to be joyful but I know in being joyful I have to be thankful every day so help me. I'm going to get up. I'm going to thank you first thing in the morning, Lord, even if it's the smallest thing, but I need you to rush in. I need you to come in and help me walk this out because I can't do it alone. Now, I don't want to assume anything, but I, I know I'm not the only one who feels like she can't connect sometimes. And if that's you, please come forward. Because it's true that God is here. But there are also people here who are going to fill in the bottom piece. So if you need prayer this morning, if you need to come, someone to come alongside you, to stand in the presence of God with you, just begin to come. I'm going to ask the leadership team, the prayer team to come. We're going to connect. We're going to link. We're going to stand with you today. So please come.
I don't want anyone standing alone. So if you've been here for a long time, if you've been discipled here, I'm going to come to ask you to stand with someone. I don't want anyone standing alone. We're going to connect today. Okay, so find someone. We're going to come down in a minute. connect with somebody. You just go meet somebody, go introduce yourself to somebody, just make a connection today. As we connect with God and we connect with each other. Amen? Amen. Do you see anybody standing alone?
even as those are still being prayed for, if you have to leave, I just want to release you with a blessing. But I want you to have this song in your heart. And just the bridge of this song just says this. It says, Thank you, Jesus, just as I instruction, oh God. 
And Father, we're careful to give you all the glory and the honor. Father, when we leave this place, Father, we commit to staying in your presence, oh God. Father, that our worship life would extend even from this building, oh God, but it would be a daily thing, oh God, that we would just stay in you, oh God. You are blessed. Continue to be a blessing. Bless somebody on the way out. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.